Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of This Great Weekend, Inspire You, brought to you by the stations of Radio One Indianapolis. We thank you so much for joining us, and we're excited about this production and this conversation that we're going to have today. The discussion will be called Church and COVID. I am your host, Adrian Warren, uh, also known in some circles as the Gospel Encyclopedia. And uh, today joining me, we have some of the senior pastors of Indianapolis, and we're gonna ask them to join on with us. First, we're going to have Pastor Henry Green with the Megas Christian Church. Pastor Kim Outlaw with Living Water Fellowship Church. Pastor James Jackson with Fervent Prayer Church. And then Pastor Jeffrey Johnson with Eastern Star Church. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So let, let's start off. Um, obviously, we're going to start off with a, a definition of Corona or COVID-19 and coronavirus disease 2019 is caused by new coronavirus first identified in West China. Um, it was given the name COVID-19 um, by the World Health Organization on February the 11th, 2020. And COVID stands for CO for coronavirus, V for virus, D for disease, and because it was identified in 2019, such uh, 2019 has been added toward the end. Um, coronavirus has its name because of crown-like spikes on the surfaces and are a family of viruses that are common in people and many different species of animals. What we've identified though, is a disease that have impacted people. And because churches impact people, we know then that coronavirus is now impacting the people that you are serving. I also want to start off with some statistics as it relates to Indiana before we get into the discussion, just so that we can be aware. At the time of the taping of this, uh, there were 5,700 brand new cases um, that were discovered out of 3,700 um, tests. Um, this was, it says 3.8% positivity rate within a seven day window of those tests. And as of this date, there were 42 new deaths. Overall, there have been 387,278 positive cases in the state of Indiana, 5,986 deaths in the state of Indiana. Um, specifically, I do want to break this down. While coronavirus has been disproportionately impacting uh, Black communities, um, for instance, in Milwaukee County, Wisconsin, uh, African Americans make up 70% of the deaths due to coronavirus, but African Americans are only 26% of that county's population. However, in the state of Indiana, in the state of Indiana, um, as it relates to uh, deaths, uh, deaths for African-Americans are in par with our state population, 
percent people who are African American have died from Corona from COVID nineteen, with the state population of African Americans being nine point eight. Now, thirteen point two um, classify within other um, um, of the deaths that have been identified um, in that statewide demographic. We see the larger percentage of the deaths happening between the ages of 50 to 80. Um, um, and minimal deaths between those who are between the ages of 20 to 29, 30 to 39. You start to see an increase in those who are 40 to 49. So um, this has taken the world by storm, um, not just America, not just Indiana. At what point did you realize that COVID-19 was going to impact you as pastors and, and whomever would like to start first, that that coronavirus, COVID-19 was going to impact you and how you did what you do in terms of a church and what you do in terms of pastoring. At what point in this juncture? It was identified or labeled in February. We start seeing a lot of transition between March and April. At what point in this process did you realize that you were going to need to do something different? Let me let me start off with this. First of all, thanks for having me, Adrian. I'm honored to be here. And it's good to see Pastor Green and Pastor Jack. I ain't seen them in a year because of this pandemic. Uh, Pastor Outlaw and I have been on a couple of things together. So thanks for bringing us together. This is very significant and important. It, it was early on for me as the pastor of Eastern Star Church uh, in Indianapolis um, because I believe the first death for coronavirus was a member of our church, 32 years old, one of my oldest son's best friends, a young man, member of our congregation, been in my home often. And I think it was the first coronavirus death in the state of Indiana. So oh, wow. it caught our attention early. It made us pay attention to it. It made us get all the research we needed from going to health professionals and government officials. And uh, I believe in Marion County, we were the first, one of the first places, period, uh, definitely churches to do testing on our site. So we got a shock very, very quickly, which uh, kind of made us think very, very hard about decisions concerning our congregation. Absolutely. Any other pastors? At what point did you recognize? Um, I know Pastor Henzi, you and I share uh, many pastoral friends on the East Coast, and it really went through New York very heavily. Was it your attention then, or did it kind of come into your attention more when it hit here? Well, I, I think kind of like Pastor Johnson, um, it hit a very close friend of mine, our church accountant. And um, I, I had literally was supposed to go by and pick some things up from him early in the week and got delayed. And so I caught him on a Thursday. Uh, he said he wasn't feeling well. I said, hey, don't worry about it. We'll figure this out later. Call back on Friday just to check him out. Uh, he texted me back and said, uh, can I hit you back? I said, sure. Just checking on you on Saturday. His wife called and told me they rushed him to the hospital. And then on Sunday afternoon, they called and told me he was dead. Wow. And so this is um, was Lucky Hall, a friend um, that uh, I went to college with. So we've been associated 40 years. And so the shock of that really sent me into a little more research. I have a friend that's a naturopathic doctor, and she began to kind of school us on what was going on. 
Got you. Pastor Jackson, Pastor Outlaw. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, thanks uh, for inviting me again, Adrian. It's, it's a privilege to be with all of you. Um, I think for me, it was the third Sunday in March that I had to cancel the service because of the coronavirus, uh, that it actually became real to me. Um, I know before then you heard about it, I heard about it, but I had not had any firsthand experiences such as um, Pastor Johnson and Pastor Hensley. Uh, and so the continuation of the canceling of the services and the constantly hearing of the hospitalizations and the COVID cases increasing along uh, with the deaths and everything, it really became real then. When you, you figured out you had to do something different, um, than what you had been doing. Yeah, you had to find a way to reach the people uh, that were no longer sitting in the pews and you had to um, talk to them through a camera. And it really became real to me then. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, for having me. Um, we really appreciate this opportunity. And here at the Fervent Prayer Church, because I do a lot of uh, broadcasting, um, I first noticed it and got insight about it on the end of the impeachment process. And things uh, started to emerge about a virus that was happening. And and then I started watching what was happening at the stores and some of the talk, um, the restrictions started coming out in February. So the first thing I did was call on God. And the second thing I did was call my banker and start the process of getting um, yeah. a stoppage on having to make mortgage payments. And it's very, very significant. Oh, wow. uh, they work with us very, very well. And that made a major difference in what was going to happen here at the Fervent Prayer Church and being able to stay open. Gotcha. And when you say you're saying stop mortgage payments for the church. Yeah, we okay. I, I knew that, you know, some things are going to be changing. And this was before uh, Mayor Hawk said um, shut the city down and Dr. Virginia Kane and all of the edicts came out about stay at home and that was going to impact everybody. So I knew that it was going to impact giving initially. I knew that we would recover from it, but um, the bank would, you know, that's like, again, first thing call on God, the second thing call the bank. The bank. Well, that wasn't going to go there yet, but you know, since you introduced this into the conversation um, early on, you know, that's a very quick response. You know, um, I, I was really going to go in terms of how you had to do services first, but you've entered and we can go back to services, but uh, with, with other pastors here, at what point did you think about the economic impact? Because there are some churches who've had to close their doors. This has been nine months long, and there are many churches that have not lasted these nine months. What did you do as pastors, um, like Pastor Jackson immediately uh, called to make adjustments on the mortgage? Did any of you do that quick response, or did you say, um, we'll just ride out the, the shelter in place because we can flatten the curve and maybe we won't be impacted as, as long ago? Did you, make, um, did you make decisions quicker than that? Yeah, um, I, I made uh, quick decisions. I was um, I was privileged to be a part of the discussion that um, went on uh, by bi weekly with Pastor Jeffrey Johnson, and um, you know he kind of led the way for us uh, young pastors and some of the things that we were to do. And so um, yeah, I called the bank quickly. I called them quickly and got things in place. You know, um, so yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for us, it, it was um, fortuitous um, under the direction of God. At the end of last year, we had looked to upgrade some of our systems. So we had been doing a lot of research in the areas of broadcast and looking at remote giving aspects and some of those. And so uh, once the reality hit that the churches were going to be closed down, we were able to pull the trigger very efficiently uh, because we had already done the research. And so we were able to install new systems in in a week. And so that kind of smoothed out the economic impact because we had already been prepared uh, in a way that was conducive to what was going on. Yeah, ours was a little bit different. Uh, un unlike uh, these pastors, I didn't start my church. Um, our church is 100 years old and we were already in place to be debt free um, by the end of this year anyway. So we didn't have an issue with that. And as Pastor Green was talking about, we didn't just do the research with the with technology and being digital. We had already made a significant investment, both in renovating the buildings um, to putting things in place. We were already online giving, already streaming. We just had to upgrade that a little bit once the pandemic hit, but all that was already in place for us. And our congregation has been so generous. So what we were able to do was to step up our giving in terms of helping families to pay their rent. We increased that. Families to pay their mortgage. We call that preventing homelessness. Uh, we were able to come alongside churches to help them to pay their mortgages and to help them to do some things with technology. So ours was a little different. And our congregation has been so extremely generous and so as a consequence, our church has been able to step up what we've been able to do to come alongside, uh, whether it's through education, uh, helping families with, with Internet and Wi-Fi for their children with the virtual learning. So many different areas providing food. All, all, we had to step that up and increasing our time on Radio One and uh, increasing our time with, uh, with local uh, television. Uh, actually going back on local television and right. what we do with streaming. So it definitely had an economic impact. But I, I just I, I want to say again, the Christian people at the Eastern Star Church. They increased what they were doing so that as a ministry, we could increase what we were doing. Awesome. You, I mean, you, you're kind of what I love about pastors is, you know, you you move it along you, and, and you guys are already touching <laughs> some of the other topics um, that we were going to talk about, especially in terms of digital capacity. Um, many of you are already doing things online in terms of this body of people. But you may know of churches who were not digitally adept. And Pastor Johnson, you you talked about how you assisted some people. Uh, in terms of uh, becoming more digitally savvy. Have you, have any of you of the other pastors, did you have to help other pastors um, with their digital plans and how they were gonna relate um, to people in the digital space? Yeah, we were in the midst of a uh, upgrade. We already had all this stuff in place, um, online giving, um, the cameras and all of that, uh, Facebook, social media, on television, radio, so we've been doing that for a number of years. However, just before uh, everything was shut down in March, we were about to take delivery on an upgrade. We're in the midst of that. 
Uh, afterwards, um, we had our people to join with some other pastors and consultations and the company that we use. We connected them to those folks so that they could have the systems in their churches as well. In our old system, uh, we made that available to churches who might not have had any infrastructure at all for broadcasting their services. So it was wonderful to be able to do that. Yeah. Gotcha. So with church broadcasting, broadcasting is one thing, right? I mean, all of you were very quick to respond. Um, you already had um, ways, whether that be through your website or through social media or through YouTube, and you were able to definitely make your services available. But the one thing about people sheltering in place and watching now becomes the touch, the ability to touch those same people. So how did you have to rethink your black end plan? How did you have to consider that after I've given these, given my congregation and even those who I'm trying to bring into the fold, the message, what did you do on the back door to, to help touch people beyond what they're seeing? Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to just say as well that um, we had this is the thing about COVID. And I tell people that if you did not know you were enough before COVID, COVID certainly announced that you are. Uh, we had all the digital components in place to stream. I just wouldn't pull the trigger on streaming. Uh, I, I was one of those pastors. I wanted everybody to come to church. And although I had heard several times, you have to stream so that you can reach a wider audience. I, I was just hesitant in doing it. And so, you know, we had the digital components, but we didn't have the team. So we had to hurry up. We had to hurry up and formulate a team. So while I should have been ready, now I have to try and hurry up and get ready, you know? And so we were able to do that. And I will say as well, the Living Water Fellowship Church, they have been amazing. They have been consistent in their giving and many have given over and beyond. But I still contacted the bank because I had to make sure, you know, I didn't want to go to worrying. So, right. you know, I just contacted them just in case, you know, but they've been amazing as well. And so what we've done beyond the camera is really step up our outreach, as Pastor Johnson and all the other pastors have said, to make sure that we're there for them beyond Sunday, uh, that we're there to help them eat and clothe them and things like that. And yes, help pay their mortgage and, you know, uh, to try to cut down the rate of homelessness uh, that's within our reach. And so, yeah, just making sure we're there and letting them know counseling is still available because right. a lot of people are very, very discouraged. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they feel hopeless right about now. They buried many loved ones and friends and, you know, they just don't know where do I go from here? And so, you know, the work has really intensified, uh, just trying to make people understand that you really are important. Yeah, so it's been a lot, but it's been great. Well, for us, it's been really a multi-layered process. One, uh, we created what we call digital missionaries and those people are online doing the broadcast and they interact with the people of the broadcasts and turn in reports for people that say they may need prayer or they have something going on, even those that are far outside of our normal congregation. Then number two, uh, we did create uh, where we were calling each member uh, twice a month. And so we had a multi-layered system to call people to kind of check in on them, to make sure 
uh, they were okay or what their specific needs is. And then number three, uh, we do a private uh, Zoom uh, on Tuesday nights that we call a briefing. And we kind of go over the in-house or in-family stuff that we don't necessarily want to say as we broadcast to the world. Let me, let me speak to that too, because um, the vision of, of Eastern Star Church is evangelism and discipleship, of winning souls and then nurturing those souls. So what does that look like online became the question for us. We wouldn't want to stop our vision and mission because of a pandemic and just trying to figure out what that looks like online. So we had to make sure we did children's ministries and youth ministries and married couples and senior saints and everything we were doing on site, we were trying to figure out now how to do that online. And it didn't happen overnight. We were not prepared for all of that. Right. It took time, but we did get it to the point that we're doing it in my humble opinion with a little excellence uh, to advance the kingdom of God. And um, and as uh, Pastor Green was saying, here's what I tell Pat, you know, Pastor Kim Outlaw was talking about how we would get together and talk with other pastors, hear each other out, give insight. But don't forget the telephone still works. We're so busy trying to spend all this money for streaming. Pick up your phone and call your members. So we called every senior that we could get to at our church to find out what's going on in their life. What do they have um, the support system around them? What are they doing with technology? And and we just sat there and called all of them and found out. Thank God, eighty percent of our seniors had uh, were more tech savvy than their pastor was. Uh, but we had to kind of help the other twenty percent and the pastor to try to catch up. But it is it's, it 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 just takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, and utilizing people around you. That's what I try to get across the pastor. Stop trying to think of everything yourself. We're the body of Christ. We, you know, it's, it's, it's one body, but it's many members and taking advantage of those members. And then uh, another thing we did in terms of not just Sunday worship was what we call daily devotionals. So every single day uh, I would, I would come on and, and give somebody, give people an encouraging word from the scriptures, from the word of God. This is what Jesus is saying uh, in the time of oppression and social injustice and this pandemic that we're talking about now, economic downturn, all of that. Uh, people are more depressed now. Absolutely. And I can't think of anything that would encourage anybody more to come out of that depression than God's word. So on a Absolutely. daily basis, we've been able to do that as well as all the other ministries that we had going on at the church. So, Pastor Johnson, were you doing that yourself? Like, for instance, you as senior pastors, many of you have teams of support, elders in your church, assistant pastors who you often would share um, the ministry platform with. Because of the pandemic, did you find yourself doing more one on one because you felt like people needed to see their pastor or or have you begun to delegate that? Like if you're saying you're doing that every day, is that you doing that every day, Pastor Johnson, or is there a team of people assisting you with that every day? Unfortunately, 95 percent of it was me. OK, uh, my, my oldest son, who's on staff at the church, one of the pastors there, he's working on his Ph.D. in preaching. Thank God they, they received the word from him. He does the other five percent. But as we move into the new year, Adrian, it will be shared responsibility because we don't want to kill the pastor. Absolutely. The either. Because so we have enough sense. But the challenge with that is also people 
It's one thing to get up in morning worship and Bible study and walk out on the speaker. It's another thing to just push a button yeah. and go over living water because Jeffrey Johnson ain't on, so let me go over here. So uh, all that goes on in trying to think through this stuff, man. But so far, most of it has been me. But as we move into the new year, we're definitely going to be sharing a little more of those responsibilities. Right. And I, and, and I, I want to hear everybody else, but you were actually prepping the congregation for your sabbatical. So I'm sure you've had to transition your phase out for the sabbatical, come back a little bit more uh, up front as you phase back out. Is that is that what I'm hearing you say? Uh, well, the sabbatical is still supposed to take place <laughs> okay. in 2021. Okay. Alive till me. That's the goal. Um, But it it has been much more work. Okay. In all these virtual meetings and Zoom meetings and much more of that. And I got to admit, it's an emotional drain. And you got people like your congregation who are sick. You can't get to the hospital. People are dying. We can't come around them the way we would know. And all of that is an emotional drain. Um, and, and then preaching and teaching more than, and we already had multiple services, but it's been more preaching and teaching, uh, with this digital piece than it had been with on site. So it's, so it, it, the sabbatical had nothing at all to do with any of this. (laughs) Okay. More need need for the sabbatical. Gotcha. uh, With us. Yeah. In any other pastors, do you have you taken more lead? How, how have you transitioned? Have you delegated? Walk us through some of your processes. Well, I know for me, I we feel like we're definitely working twice as hard as ever. Um, just because, it, you know, as a pastor, people give you certain privilege in their lives. And we are leading and we have to be very, very conscious on how we lead because we more literally than ever have people's lives in our hands. And so for us, as well as the preaching and teaching, it is trying to stay abreast of the science and what's going on in the world with the process. And now in this highly uh, partisan atmosphere that we're in, you got to listen to three or four stations to kind of put the that what the real truth is together. So it has been a tremendous amount of work. I'm blessed to have a preaching wife. And so we've kind of shared those duties and we've started to try to work in uh, some additional people. But I would agree with Pastor Johnson. It's probably about 95, 98% because I think people did find some comfort in hearing their pastor. Gotcha. Any, Any other pastors? Pastor Outlaw, you're muted. Yeah, I am. I it has been a lot. It's been a lot, and uh, I took the entire month off in October. Yeah, and just played replays. You know that we had been, you know, just piling up. But um, the replays were certainly a blessing uh, to me. <laughs> they were, but I had to do that. And I, you know, I told them on the first Sunday of November, because we entered into our 12th year, I had to do that to save me. You know, uh, preaching to that camera for me was not, you know, as easy as it may appear to be to others. Although I, you know, I thought I was going to be a movie star anyway. I had no idea 
that I <laughs> God would, you know, slowly woo me in this way. But, um, you know, and I had to, I had to step back from me, you know, so I went to Channel 40 as well. Uh, for the first time I went on there trying to reach everybody uh, within my scope that I could for those who were not on Facebook Live, YouTube or streaming. I went to Channel 40 as well. And so just doing intros and outros and all of this, you know, it, it, it can take a toll on you. And so I realized real quick, if I'm going to be healthy for my congregation and the congregation has grown. You know, the congregation has grown. It's not just the people that were in the pews anymore. It's all of the congregation that's now out there online. And so we're pastoring more people now than what we were before COVID. And so, you know, you have even more responsibilities, whether if you're going to counsel them through Zoom or, you know, whatever the platform you're going to use, the responsibilities have grown. And so I realized in October, I need to step back from me so I can make sure that I'm able to show up for everybody else in the way I need to. Uh, doing that, I had a couple personal deaths in my own family, not related to COVID, uh, but I still had to make sure I was healthy so that I can keep everybody else healthy as much as I could. Once again, you're tuned to uh, a conversation on church and COVID I have with me. Pastor Hensie Green from Emmaus Christian Church, Pastor Kim Outlaw from Living Water Fellowship Church, Pastor James Jackson from Fervent Prayer Church, and Pastor Jeffrey Johnson from Eastern Star Church. So, um, Pastor Outlaw, you mentioned that you did have to take care of you. You know, um, you as pastors, you you are giving to many people. At what point did any of you realize that, hey, this is moving uh, beyond, um, I need I, I need to re rejuvenate. I know for me, you know, after work and then doing stuff for my church, I would often turn to my wife and say, "Yo, I need a nap. Just just give me a minute. I just need a nap. We can get just yeah. give me ten minutes, fifteen yeah. minutes, twenty minutes, because I gotta recoup." Anybody else just said that to themselves that they had to pull away and find a place to rejuvenate, restore, as you say, Pastor Outlaw, recover from some of the impact of the people that we're serving or who may be related to us. Anybody else? You know, I want to follow up on that last question as well, Adrian. Okay. You know, at Fervent Prayer, we have the greatest leadership team in the world, and they have stepped up in a way that have exceeded my expectations. And this challenge has grown our church where leadership is concerned tremendously. Um, it has been amazing. As far as um, I, I've, I've already, I've always been on radio, social media. We've been doing a first hour prayer for about three years now at uh, 630 in the morning, right up to about eight o'clock in the morning. So God had already conditioned me for what he, what he only knew was coming. So it wasn't a hard transition. Uh, to move from not having people uh, in the sanctuary to ministering to people online. We were, we were already on television, still on television, already on radio, still on radio. In fact, uh, we've been in the Radio One family for over 20 years. So that didn't have a toll on me um, too much at, at all, except that the COVID-19 itself uh, was draining emotionally with what was going on within the families around me. Um, we had always done a good job of staying in contact with our families through different uh, technologies. 
Uh, my father died in uh, July of this year, and that was a heavy impact, and we had to continue going. Um, I have my own kind of mini sabbaticals that I take or many times of, of rest, little, little points of rest. Uh, and most of that is real early morning where I can recharge and, and get back in there. Um, and taking short uh, one or two vacation uh, times off. I look forward to being able to take a, a longer sabbatical at some point. That's probably not in the near future. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, prayer has sustained me through this entire crisis. And I, I was already in the discipline of getting up at 4.50 a.m. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a lark. I'm not a night owl. And spending uh, the first couple of hours of the day in devotion and prayer. And so I, I, I didn't burn out. I'm not going to burn out. Uh, that daily devotion of reading my Bible first thing in the morning, spending that time in prayer first thing in the morning gave me the strength I needed to push through. And I've encouraged other people and other pastors to do that for a number of years because while we have COVID-19, uh, when we get through this, and we will, there'll be something else. And so sustainability uh, for pastors, I think, and church leaders comes from making sure that you're constantly connected to God, and then that helps you to be constantly connected to the members. Absolutely. Now, Pastor Hensie, I know you have a, a first five minute of the day um, thing that you definitely had at one point were doing with the congregation and then obviously encouraging leaders of the congregation to take that first five minutes of the day. Did you find yourself going back to those disciplines? Because the one thing about having a digital church is making sure our members and new converts or the people that we're reaching are developing and maintaining spiritual discipline, right? That it becomes more than just a TV show that they're watching because there's no physical connectivity. So did you find yourself leaning on those type of things more, Pastor, or anyone else? Yes, uh, we did. Uh, but it was interesting to me that preaching for me changed during this season. Uh, because you did have to speak directly to what was going on and instill some of those concepts of discipline and rejuvenation. Uh, early on, we developed a mantra that God gave us that said, don't back off, don't back down, and don't lower your expectations. And so we have really pressed that with the congregation. And it is amazing to see how the people that are really connected, uh, most of them have flourished in this season. Uh, we've had so many new houses and new cars and, and even more new businesses started and promotions. And I think it's because of the pressing of the gospel uh, to, its, to its fullest extent. Gotcha. This has been such a good conversation. Um, there are some things that you hit on. I wanted to touch back on them. For instance, the conversation of mental health came up. Uh, I think Pastor Outlaw, you introduced it and then you echoed it, Pastor Johnson. Um, what, what have you done to help provide mental health support for members? I mean, the old church, you know, we, they would say just 
solely pray about it and God will work it out. But we found that now we've had to do some additional things, not that prayer in it in and of itself is not sufficient, but we have found that we've had to do some other hand on things to complement prayer and complement those type of things. Have you, have either of you introduced a, a special mental health ministry or have you employed different people within your leadership team to make sure, have you brought in private conversations? What have you done to help with mental health and then process people through tragedy? Yeah, well, we have um, a couple of mental health therapists and uh, we're able to pull on them uh, and make them available for the membership as well as we're in the process of instituting the e-center, the e-virtual center, where we will enlighten, empower, and encourage. Um, and I may have that backwards, enlighten, encourage, and empower. And so we're doing some different things to make sure that we're there uh, to help people and give them tools to help themselves to stay healthy mentally. I don't think um, we, we've taken that serious enough. We've had a couple of panel discussions as well as brought on some professionals on those panels as it pertains to addressing mental health, making sure that we're staying healthy mentally, you know, um, and realizing that uh, if you're a frontliner in your industry, that it's okay to take three days off. It's okay to take a staycation, that it is okay. Uh, and that that is one of the things that we're really, really trying to get through to people, that it's okay if you need a backup for a moment. You know, you don't have to try to portray yourself of being a superhero. Uh, you know, if you need to step back, step back for a moment. There's no shame in that. Step back for a moment, regroup, you know, get yourself back together and, and come on back and come on back stronger than what you were. There's no sense of being there and, and deflating all the way. And so that, that's what we're really trying to get across to people and help them there by providing them mental therapists uh, that are within our reach, having these discussions, you know, bringing in the professionals, you know, because although I may think I'm a doctor, you know, I'm, I'm really not. So, just you know, leaning on those with their expertise and letting them come to the forefront. You know, I don't know everything and I don't have to act like I do, but I can reach out to those who know a little bit more in those fields and let them come and share with those people. We're really trying to do that. Yeah, we've done some of those same things. Um, our, our care center, which does, we do more than give away food and clothing and help with utilities, but also counseling. And uh, we have, health professionals that are on staff with the church. We also have health professionals who are members of the church who help us with some of that counseling. And a couple of them have been helping us for 25 years plus. So they've really been a blessing. Um, Pastor Ralph West of Houston, Texas says, there needs to be a partnership between the academy and the church. So we have partnered with uh, Christian Theological Seminary to help with some of that counseling that we do. Uh, even uh, they've come and others as well come to train our pastors and ministers uh, and those who are on staff to be able to do counseling. And so we've been doing that for years and uh, and definitely had to step it up during this pandemic. Um, but we also believe in the power of prayer. We believe God's given people the gift of exhortation, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge to help people to counsel through this. Uh, but prayer does work. And, and we also try to help people to understand having the right nutrition and getting some exercise. You asked what do we do as pastors during this time? 
I try to eat halfway right and I try to exercise. I try to run as much as I possibly can. And I use that run. If I run 20, 25, 30 miles a week, I use that to pray and to talk to God and to rehearse scripture and to meditate. I use it as a part of my spiritual journey. And then I have enough sense to listen to other people where Pastor Kim was saying she took a month off. My team was saying they needed some time off uh, with all of this technology and the digital and bringing in other people on the team and having to talk through that and think through all of that. They needed time. And I had enough sense because, you know, for me, I try to press through everything. But to, to, to listen to people around us uh, to help us to do that. So uh, we, we've been able to try to implement that and have people to be open uh, to receiving the counsel and the wisdom and the knowledge and the, and the encouragement and exhortation from others. Awesome. I want to honor each of your times and you guys provided a wealth of information. Um, and I just did at least I had a list of things, but at least three more things that I want to just <laughs> cover. Um, so the, the one thing, Pastor Johnson, you mentioned being able to provide services to to feed the hungry. And I know many of you have already done uh, food drop offs. But what what have you incorporated long term? I know, Pastor Johnson, you have the Rock Initiative that may have some long term things that are already in place in terms of feeding, housing people. I know in our city we have um, things like um, Indie Hunger Network with the Community Compass app where that you can dial people in and they can find food. Have you, what have you done? Have you used resources like the Community Compass app and incorporated it inside of your ministry, either of you, or did you find other type of long-term solutions to help sustain your, sustain your congregations throughout the economic impact that COVID has, happened, has had? My answer is gonna be real quick, so let me get mine out of the way. You already <laughs> mentioned care center that we do things ongoing. It's already long-term, long-range, as well as helping right now. But we came alongside uh, others that feed the hungry. They do this every day, all day. And so uh, we just provided them with resources to help make that happen and volunteers to help make that happen so that uh, it's not just a, a, a east side thing for us. We, we are able to reach other pockets through collaborations and partnerships. Right. Anybody else? Ours no, we, is we have collaborated with uh, even other churches um, to do some of the ongoing thing. Now, the strange thing for our congregation in itself is we put a lot of pieces in place for the congregation initially, and they really haven't needed uh, a lot of what we put in place. So we found ways to reach out to the broader community with it. Pastor Jackson. Yeah, we've stayed connected uh, ever since all of this has happened. And just through the years, we've always had outreaches and partnering with uh, gleaners and others to feed folks in the community. Partnerships are amazing. Uh, Facebook has incorporated uh, groups, Facebook groups, and they have some new technology now for pastors who are listening. You may not have a budget or enough uh, financial wherewithal to have food on site and different things like that. But um, through Facebook, they have new technology and groups where people can indicate their need. It will show you where the need is. And then the folks who are in that group can offer help. And that's saint to saint ministry, because a lot of times the church in and of itself may not be able to meet that need. And so in that group, 
Uh, there are people, professionals who come on and talk about um, connections. So we, we become even more of a connector ministry, connecting people to resources, connecting people to people that can help them. And that's helped our staff. And that's also helped other folks in the community um, who are members of churches or, or uh, folks who are in the marketplace to reach out and help people as well. Uh, we do have some pastoral care professionals who uh, are certified here at the church. We have a group for that and people need that assistance as well. Good. So I want to throw this, 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 this strong ball through here. So some people are talking about how this is um, the onset of some eschatological things that we've preached about for years. Right. Um, as you see the day approaching that uh, we should not uh, uh, forsake assembly. Right. Um, so uh, this separating us from the ability to assemble, as well as some people say, you know, we've looked at the mark of the beast being one thing. And now that uh, potentially the vaccine creating opportunities for people to actually go back and create economic wealth, that this may be the onset or the pathway that maybe something uh, like the mark of the beast would happen. Have you thought about any of the potential eschatological implications of this or is that far fetched? Well, you know, the, the eschatology is the study of end times, and you got a lot of folk out there saying a lot of different things. Uh, you know, if you're over 50 like me, you've got a booster shot. On your <laughs> and if uh, there's a mark of the beast, I already have it. And I still remember the day I got stuck when I was six years old. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of foolishness out there uh, that people are going to be talking about. Um, the Antichrist, the scripture says, already in the earth. There's some reality to a lot of the things you hear, but it has to be disseminated in the proper way. Um, you know, people don't talk about the fact that uh, in Jeremiah 33, God will give us health and cure. Uh, if Jesus has a salve that can heal my eyes, bring it on. Um, Hezekiah got healed by placing a polis of figs on the boil that was on his leg, but he trusted God first, and that's the thing got to trust God first believe what what God is doing I don't I don't think this is the mark of the beast and people saying well they're going to inject a chip in you well most of those who are watching this you have a chip in your hand it's in your back pocket it's in your backpack it's called a cell phone so if they want to know where you're at if they want to catch you you're already marked. So, Pastor Jackson, this is so good. Now you know we got a hard stop. We got a hard stop, and you just open up because I can see, I can see the the tingle in everybody else's eyes, guys. You know we got a hard stop. <laughs> Anybody else want to comment before we bring a different uh, thought to the play? Well, I'll just say this. I I think that a lot of people have said and have quoted the scripture for Satan not the assembly and how is that helping us now? And, and what I think uh, about that is that uh, more people are starting to realize that the building is the gathering place. It is the place where the church gathers, you know, is, is where we come together to feed off of one another's faith as well as been instructed from the word of God. But now you've been instructed from five churches in five minutes. And so people say, well, how is the relevance there? You know, it is still there. It is still there as far as coming together. We may not be on site, but we're online. And one of the things I thank God for is that 
whereby we might have had a relationship with the church building. Now we're being forced, you know, to have a relationship with God, uh, which we should have been having all along. But sometimes it gets confused. And so, um, you know, I, I'm going to uh, go with Pastor Jackson on that. You know, we've had some vaccines before, you know, uh, many of us. And so, you know, if however God wants to provide the healing, you know, sign me up. Yeah. So, so we can go back into our building, and I and Pastor I, I, Johnson, I see you want to comment, but I, I'm trying to push it. So we can go back into the building. Um, Mayor Hogg said that we can be at 75 percent capacity for worship. Um, how many of you have taken that in consideration? How many of you have gone back into the building? And if so, um, what protocols did you put in place for coming back? Did you bring 75 percent? Are you 25 percent? Are you not at all? Well, Mayor Hawksett doesn't have the last say as to how many people we can have in the building, first of all. Uh, we can have 100%. Okay. His, his, his authority ends at the front door. However, we are lawful people, and um, we um, complied with the edicts that were put out by the city and the state of Indiana. And we haven't had to worry about the percentages. We started an operation called Operation um graduated glory which started with um having services on the parking lot where people could come and and have services and enjoy the worship outside and i think it was in september uh we opened up for in-person worship but we strictly follow the cdc's guidelines with mitigations and masks and everything that you're supposed to have and we haven't had to um, worry about the percentages because I always tell people you don't really have to cancel church. Uh, people will do that for you. Um, <laughs> they just don't show up. But for those who want in-person worship, uh, we have been very, very successful with it by the grace of God. Um, for the past eight or nine months, uh, God has really, really blessed us uh, where people have come into the worship space. Our seats are so far apart that you'll feel like you're in the exit row on an airplane um, with plenty of leg room, six feet apart. So we're doing all we can and our church is of size where we can do that. There, there are churches uh, that may not be able to do that, but um, we are adhering to all of the uh, edicts that are put out by the city or the state. There's conflict in Indiana as to uh, what that's all about. And, and we've been blessed in doing that. Any other pastor? I know Pastor Green, I, I watched your stream and people were wearing gloves while they held the mic. So it seems like you have some protocols in place. Yeah, we have eight pages of protocol. We are back, we have been back to in-person worship for quite a while. And I really got convicted very early on. The very first um, Sunday we were back, we did a limited uh, group where you had to register. One of my members called and told me that she had a nephew that had been begging to get to the altar of a church and he had had trouble finding a church that was open. And so, of course, we let him come. And unfortunately, uh, he was murdered two weeks later. And, and so we know for a fact that was the last time he was in a church. So we know for some people uh, assembling in the church building is more critical uh, than others. So we do, we hired a nurse, we have a nurse at the door, 
We have a compliance staff and so and eight pages of protocol to keep people safe. And so far, uh, we've done very well, not had any incidents where we had to um, uh, adapt to yet. Got you. I'm, I'm going to come to a close, but before it comes to a close, any other pastors? Have Are you still in, out, Pastor Outlaw, Pastor Johnson? I'm out. I'm still out. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm out. We've had small services, um, but yeah, we're pretty much still doing all we, our lives. We've had parking lot worship. We've done baptism outside. Everything we've done with worship was outside. Um, we, we still got a handful of people to come in to make that online streaming service happen. Um, and even though we put a team together that worked for six months to come up with those eight pages of protocols, Pastor Bree, we still have not, we got a plan. It, we just haven't implemented it yet. And we're still listening to the health professionals, government officials, scientists. We believe God created science. So we're not ignoring any of that. We have a wonderful plan uh, for back on-site worship that is yet to be implemented. We're still going to see what this virus is doing. Got you. Once again, I thank you all for joining. This has been the Church in COVID, a part of the Inspire You Conference here for Radio One Indianapolis. I'm so thankful for my guest, Pastor Henzy Green, Pastor Kim Outlaw, Pastor James Jackson, and Pastor Jeffrey Johnson. As we come to a close, um, I'm going to do the funeral round, right, where you get two minutes <laughs> to say some encouraging words, and you know, I'm going to do the ding. Uh, uh, to let you know that you got to go back to your seat. But thank you again, each of you. Um, if, if you close us out with some words of inspiration of what we should think about moving forward, even as we move out of this pandemic, I'll start with Pastor Hensey, Pastor Outlaw, Pastor Jackson, then you can close with you, Pastor Johnson. Well, I believe this is a period of time where you can either look at the obstacle or you can look at the opportunity. If you look past the obstacle, this is a great time of opportunity. Uh, the playing ground has been leveled. Everybody's back in the game. Uh, even if you want to buy a business or you're looking at business, there's tons of new business opportunities. Some of the old business opportunities, people will sell you a business if you just might pay the bill. And so it's opened up a new level of opportunity for us as pastors. We can either preach down to the problem or preach up to the promise. And so we're encouraging people to look at the promise. I believe we're going to see one of the greatest wealth transfers we've seen in this century. And so the people of God must lead the way. This is a time where leaders have to lead. And so we must continue to hear God and seek his face so that we can lead our people into the new opportunities that are available. Yeah, I think that um, we have to be very intentional and I wanna encourage everybody I can to be very intentional, to be as positive as you can be and do understand that better days are just around the corner and that we're gonna shift from what was to what's getting ready to be. And I really do believe that next, is going to be better than what last was. And we just have to be intentional about that. Uh, and, and the Bible lets us know that we're not to be weary in well-doing, but we're going to reap in due season if we think not. And so let's not think and let's not give up and let's not give out. No matter how hard it may be, God is going to get us all through this and we will land 
end the atmosphere up next, which is going to be much better than what it was. Well, suffice it to say, trust God, number one. Um, stay prayerful. Uh, check on your family often and appreciate the things uh, that you can now see. Tomorrow's not promise. And um, just love everybody that you can. God did not give you the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And understand that this is not going to last always. And know that God works all things together for our good. And even in the midst of this pandemic, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, once again, thank you all, pastors. I really appreciate you for joining me. This has been such a great conversation. Surely, you know, we could have dug deeper dug in this deeper, but I thank you so much for what you've shared. I'm, I'm definitely hopeful that someone will be inspired and light and encouraged by the information that's been here. I thank you so much for your examples and I thank you so much for the impact that you're having, not only to our community, but to your personal congregations. Continue to hold up the standard and hold up the light. And we thank you so much for joining us in this Inspire You conference. Everyone have a blessed day. And Thanks if you're so. experiencing this conference, continue to enjoy. Thank you.